And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Thursday, July 7th. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris here. On this episode, we are digging into some big movers among pitchers. We're going to take a look at some notable June to July stuff plus risers, taking a look at Eno's pitching model, see who's doing things a bit better now than they were earlier in the season. We'll talk about some big picture movers as well, players that have significantly increased their value on the pitching side compared to where they were back during draft season, and at least one faller that I think is worth talking about, a player we haven't talked a lot about in the first half of the season. Now that we have more information, I think it's worth revisiting what we've seen from him along the way. Maybe a few mailbag questions at the end, but probably none of those today. Because I think this conversation, much like the one on Tuesday, is going to run a little bit on the long side. So... Us? No. Never. No. We, we, we talk <laughs> way too much. Maybe it almost, It's almost like we need to have more episodes, but shorter episodes. That would be the, the sweet would spot. That be, would that be a thing that people would like? If that would make people happy, you know, let us know somehow. Don't send an email, though. There's a lot of emails right now. Use Twitter. <laughs> like the tweet for this podcast. If you don't normally like the tweet, take a moment to like the tweet, and then we'll know, like, oh, this got way more than seven likes today. <laughs> so, that's all I got. Uh, no, I, I, think, I think I've got a, a good sense for what would make the... Well, you know, happy. we do have the metrics. The metrics tell us that, you know, most of y'all fall asleep after 45 minutes. Right. So maybe we should stop talking <laughs> for longer than 45 minutes and just have an extra conversation here or there that, that scratches the itch. But we'll look at the notable movers in Stuff Plus. I used the very Derek way of doing this. I took the June, I think it was June 5th, like the first Stuff Plus number from June and compared it to the first Stuff Plus number in July and then put it into a big spreadsheet and found the biggest movers. And the biggest mover among starters appears to be Luis Castillo with my very sloppy method that could have easily chopped off a starter who is bad but got you know a little better along the way. But Castillo is interesting because he's one of those guys that I, I, don't, I don't usually believe in first half, second half splits or cold weather players and warm weather players, but I don't think it's a total situation to ignore. And Castillo now has this multi-year track record of early season struggles. And I'm curious if there's something in the model and the underlying numbers that you see with Castillo that points to this being more than just the weather getting warmer and velo ticking up and things that we often associate with players who might struggle at the beginning of a season. Yeah, you know, the weird thing about Castillo is, you know, yes, the uh, the the weather is up, the, the weather is warmer, and the fastball's up again. Uh, that is uh, probably the biggest part of this because uh, his fastball stuff plus, foreseeing fastball stuff plus, was in the 80s uh, in April, and uh, in his last outing was 127. Jeez. Uh, so, you know, sometimes uh, two ticks, as he's gotten uh, since April, two plus ticks, is a lot. Um, you know, and then, you know, the what's also interesting is that as the season has gone on, uh, he's used the four seam more. So he kind of is like a fundamentally different pitcher at the beginning and end of the season because... He, he knows that he doesn't have the velo on the four seam early, so he doesn't use it as much. Uh, early In the early goings, he's using it 12, 15, 20% of the time. He used it 50% of the time against uh, against Atlanta last time out. That's just like, who is this? This is the, supposed to be a sinker guy. 
So, I mean, one of one of the things that we like about Luis Castillo is he's a four-pitch guy. Four-pitch guy means in any given game or any given part of the season, he can feature one of the different pitches. He can change uh, the, 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 how often he uses them or when he uses them so he can keep uh, players at bay. Four-pitch guy means he can turn the lineup over more and the, his through his third three true out and not his three true out third time through the order penalty is lesser because he has four pitches not three or two um so these are all good things there was a good piece in the pitchers pitcher list article about the fact that he uses a four seam and a two seam and something we've talked about here is that that's a possible uh, way to maybe even uh, outdo the model or or just to um throw different looks at uh at, at batters Cameron Grove, though, uh, the author of another Stuff uh, Plus model, went out and uh, looked to see if guys who both throw a four-seam and a two-seam outdid his model, and he found no evidence of that. So uh, I don't know if we need to just keep scratching uh, at that idea. Maybe it has to be two uh, four-seam and a two-seam. Like he looked at four-seam and two-seam, thrown 10% of the time both and 20%, blah, 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 uh, and didn't find anything. I wonder if it has to be of a certain quality. Like if you have a good enough quality four-seam and two-seam, uh, then you kind of unlock a cheat code. But in any case, uh, Luis Castillo in the warmer months is just fundamentally a different pitcher than he is in the colder months because as he gets more velo on his four seam. He uses it more, so uh, it's kind of a, a kind of a duh thing. Like, oh yeah, it's better with more velo. Use it more, but it also just means he's a different guy. I don't know how to make that actionable though. You know, like because it's such a it's such a f- whoa. Jeez. Well, I guess I'm going to bring up the, the, the bleep that for one. It's whoa. just such an obvious. It's such an obvious <laughs> split. And it's such an obvious thing that happens every year that you're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to action like do anything with it. Like, oh yeah, buy Luis Castillo low in May. Luis Castillo owner is like, yeah, I know what you're doing. They know because they've seen the pattern before. What what if you what if you uh I, I guess here's one thing you could do. You could draft Luis Castillo and treat him as a streamer early. You think Where, you like, can dodge those raindrops though? Could we have this year? Should we play the start, don't start? I'm going to guess. Again, you can pull up the game log. Okay. Milwaukee I'm going to guess we home. would have been wrong. Milwaukee, Milwaukee at, home. at home. Start, don't start. Don't look at the game log. I'm going to do it. Milwaukee at home. Start, don't start. This Early is the very season. beginning of the season? Yeah. I would have used them. I wouldn't have. Milwaukee at home? It's Cincinnati. Yeah. I'd be more careful. So uh, that's uh, less than five innings, three earned runs. So that, in my mind, treatment if you're if you're a little bit more conservative let's say maybe more conservative than you then uh you avoided a a, a stinker at pittsburgh definitely would have used them both starting <laughs> i'm not yeah. gonna lie uh five innings three earned a uh, little bit better of a start but not much better um at toronto no right that would have been a no if I had gone in with a plan of just being careful with them early in the season. Yeah, so I would have, I would have missed that start. Six innings, two earned, five strikeouts, zero walks. Uh, that's close. To, I, I'd want that. It's indoors. Uh, Cubs at home. Cubs oh, at home. I would have used them this year. I would have used them for sure because the Cubs. Okay, five or five uh, five innings, two earned. Not bad. This is funny. So if you're going to be conservative at Boston in April. I think you'd say no. Based on the weather, that would have been a no. Right. Based Six. on the matchup, it would have been a maybe. I still probably would have erred on using him previously. But if in this construct, this would have been a possible a clear sit because it would have been 45, 50 degrees maybe. Yeah. Six innings, 10 punches, Oof. no runs, See, one but the, hit. I think this gets back to the even with some reasoning, you're still you're still more likely to miss on these decisions. I think, okay. So here's the here's the last play. Just just draft Luis Castillo because he's uh, cheaper than he should be, and he's a decent pitcher. Yeah, and just know that you're going to get more of the quality later than you probably will in April. You say, okay, well, I'll I'll avoid the frigid tough starts, but I'm not going to I'm not going to go overboard. But at Toronto was a tough matchup, but weather wise, it's indoors. You're not worried about 
how cold it is on game day. So yeah. I don't know. The the other asterisk for him is just that he might get traded. Right. Well, here's the thing. You brought it up on the 3-0 show that went up on Thursday. Is Luis Castillo an ace? I think is the way you, you frame the question. And I think right. there's a million ways to try and define an ace. But if you go back to 2019, let's go back to the year of the rabbit ball. And let's set the minimum innings pitched at 200. Luis Castillo is 11th in war among pitchers. Wow. There are there are no bad pitchers ahead of him. Wheeler Cole, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bieber, Nola, Morton, Lance Lynn, Corbin Burns, who with innings, of course, would be higher on the list. Walker Bueller. a little bit more as a Lance Lynn than a Corbin Burns. Well, uh, of all the pitchers on that top 11, Castillo has the highest walk rate. So he stands out in a bad way there. But he, he misses back really the way. Walk. Yeah, it's not a bad walk rate. Uh, for the for the whole time, it's a little high, but it might be a little better right now. He's kind of, I don't know, he kind of looks like Giolito in the peripherals. Giolito with a better home run rate? That's more or less what Luis Castillo has been. Probably the best starting pitcher on the market. I And you get think one so, more yeah. year of him after this. I think the Reds should trade him because I think the demand is going to be very what if he high. What the Yankees, though? I don't think the Yankees should use long-term trade pieces to trade for a front-line-ish or front-line starting pitcher. I don't think that's addressing their needs who, correctly. Who needs it the most? The, uh, the the Twins. The Twins. Yeah, that would be a, it. Would actually that would be a that would be a net positive for Luis Castillo. I think. Twins, Cardinals, you know, plenty of teams, but those those two, the, all the team, the two teams that come up the most with Frankie Montas, those are the teams that would also yeah. make sense to pay the premium. For Luis Castillo. And I think in the Twins case, this is why I thought Herman Marquez made sense for them as kind of a, a buy low, multiple, multiple years of control. This is a problem for more than one season for the Twins. You're going to compete for more than one season. Get someone that can help you for more than one season. And we know the Reds are cheap as hell. So getting rid of Castillo for that that next year, oh, that that nothing makes the Castellinis happier than saving $17 million on a player that was actually really good. And the twins seem to seem to really care about like years of control and like you know I think they I think that this might be lining up for the twins because they I think they would be like oh we also get them next year you know cold weather team though it's colder it's like the worst oh, cold weather place you can go spicy uh huh see look at the problem you've created if they only put a roof on Target Field back in the day you know who's really used to pitching in the cold Montas. Yeah. Hey, he's pitched in a, a damp basement for years. Unfortunately, hurt. Damp well, basement, thank you. <laughs> I agree. But... Is the Oakland Coliseum not like pitching in a damp basement? Have I yeah. misread the situation? No, no, no. 100%. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's got flies and problems with the plumbing. <laughs> I've never actively tried to delay visiting a ballpark before. Like any chance I get to you go see a been? new ballpark, I still haven't been. I've lived out here for almost a year. And I still, and you go, you go every, I don't know, every other week or so, at least. You probably go to San Francisco more than you go to Oakland. I, like, from a work standpoint, it's, not, it's, it's um, you know. Well, they're bad. They're a bad team also. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not helping the cause. Yeah. I don't know. We'll do a day game. We'll go to some matinee in Oakland, and we'll be one of, like, 2,000 people there because John Fisher, and that's just how it's going to go. But well, Saturday day games are pulled more like 4,000. All right. Well, 4,000. So it'll be like the, I don't know, Fall Stars game, roughly, in terms of crowd size. Fair. I'm in on Castillo right now. I think what he's doing right now makes sense to you know, go trade for him in fantasy. I think it makes sense for major league teams to go to trade for him. I think he can be the best pitcher available. If, and if you're worried about this Twins cold weather thing, at least that's more of a next year problem. Yeah, you're not really worried about that for it's the rest of this season. Now. Yeah. Maybe those last couple starts at the end of the season could get a little cold, but eh, you're not worried about that. It's not going to be like April up there where it's pretty pretty nasty, even though it's a great ballpark and great place to be. Some other pitching movers behind Castillo in terms of stuff plus 14 risers. 14 minutes we've talked about one pitcher. <laughs> and this is yes. why the show has a problem. <laughs> we've recognized the problem. Taiwan Walker is a, is a big riser. Up that one's easy. Six in stuff plus. Six points is a lot. What's the difference with him? And I had a I had a DM or a, a tweet or something um, where somebody's asking, "This is the kind of this is the Taiwan Walker that falls apart, right?" 
Uh, he always falls apart. I think this is a little bit different because what we're seeing is a fundamental pitch mix change. There was, uh, uh, let's see, is that a month this year? There was a month this year, the month of June, Taiwan Walker threw more splitters than four seamers. Do so it. Throw your best pitch. I love it. Yeah. It's a throw your best pitch thing where he's zeroed in on the slider and the splitter as pitches he wants to 30-30-30. So he throws, uh, you know, right now in July, he's throwing the sinker again a little bit, but mostly he's 30-30-30-ing slider, four seams, uh, a splitter. And, you know, I don't know that anybody can command, um, you know, a splitter really well. So it... You know, it could be a little bit predictable in that uh, he's using the slider and the four seam for for command and the splitter for action. But the good news is the slider is among the best stuff he's ever had. The four seam at 91 stuff plus is not amazing, but he's locating it well and it's an average pitch. And by splitting the slider and the four seam, uh, he's never as predictable as you can say. And uh, he is putting splitters in good locations, and it's a really good pitch by Stuff Plus. So I do think this is a different Taiwan Walker. There were other Taiwan Walkers that used these other pitches, the cutter and the sinker and the curveball more, and those are suboptimal pitches. They're all below average pitches, well below average pitches by Stuff Plus. So the fewer curveball sinkers, and cutters he throws, the better he gets. It's a pretty easy math problem. I, I'm in on Taiwan Walker, plus really nice home park i don't think the in division matchups are all that scary other than maybe philly in philly um but uh even if you skip a couple phillies in philly uh, i think you will get a, a good schedule out of him too at atlanta in the heat might be one i'd be a little yeah, careful with walker in more about. shadow leagues but yeah i think in city field he's probably more likely to be in your lineup than out unless you're in a really shallow format. I do think the increased splitter usage probably has something to do with the ground ball rate being up, and that, on top of the park factors, helps explain why the home run rate has improved so much. I'm not sure he's a .46 homers per nine guy going forward. I think that's probably a little bit of, of good fortune baked in, too. But the home run issues we've seen from him going back to the pandemic-shortened season, those might not be coming back. That might not be the baseline anymore with this approach the ability to avoid the most damaging contact seems to have changed with this pitch mix change yeah and, and the splitter may not you know change-ups we've we've said the research is that uh the relationship between change-up uh swinging strike rate and overall strikeout rate is the weakest of all the pitches and a, and a splitter is a, when i do work i count splitters as change-ups um it's not maybe that surprising he doesn't have a great strikeout rate the nice news about him, because I don't also see him as an ace or a two, and if you're really behind in strikeouts, he's not necessarily the guy you go after. However, if you just need good innings, I think he's attainable because somebody will be looking at that seven per nine strikeout rate and say, well, that's awful, dude. Why do I want... Like, I don't. This guy is going to be a pumpkin. The projections all say he's going to be a, a four-plus ERA guy. I see a guy who's going to be mid, low to mid threes, I think. Uh, going forward i i believe in this pitch mix so uh that's an attainable guy who should be a good pitcher and maybe not give you a ton of strikeouts so it's, it's a little depends on your needs but also a guy i would buy speaking of attainable we talked about jackson coar i think maybe an episode or two ago you mentioned that his pitch mix had actually changed or the fastball in particular right it's not the same fastball we've seen yeah it, yeah what what would you prefer i think um of all the changes that are believable and interesting. I think pitch movement is really exciting. However, pitch movement changes happen less often. Like how often does someone in season just add like two inches of ride? You know, like that's a Seems season hard. to season thing. That's what you work the whole off season on it. Kowar came back and he added like an inch plus of ride and his, and his slider is totally different. So, you know, that's kind of amazing to do that uh, in season, it must have been, you know, something about the the product of some off season work. Uh, but when it comes to uh, vertical movement, uh, his fastball since he's come back has two inches more ride plus, uh, and his slider uh, has uh, 
has nice uh, uh, horizontal movement it didn't have before. Four inches more horizontal movement. So he basically went down and came back up with a riding four-seamer and a sweeper, which is what everybody wants in baseball right now. And it's kind of amazing he did it on the Royals, I have to admit. Now, he just doesn't have good command, uh, so we're not suggesting that he needs to be someone, I would say, that you need to go get in all your leagues. Uh, But, you know, if you're in a deep dynasty situation, if you're in an AL only, uh, this is a fundamentally different pitcher. And uh, if you look at per appearance uh, numbers, uh, you know, let me give you an idea of his uh, upside since he's gotten back. Uh, 105 stuff plus uh, since he's gotten back. That plays. Yeah. Um, And even uh, the early numbers on location are not something you want to believe in too much, but uh, even better location. He did it by changing his arm slot, which is another crazy thing to do in season. Um, But uh, there's there's some differences uh, in the way he's releasing the ball. I just think it could turn into a thing where you, you pick him up because there's a good matchup coming up. You're optimistic because of what we're talking about right now. Pitches well. You decide to keep him for another week. Pitches okay again. And he just hangs around your roster longer than expected just because it's been pretty difficult to find bottom of the roster pitching, especially in 15-team mixed leagues. I think that's been an ongoing challenge for a lot of us. If he's a two-starter anytime soon, like jump on him. Uh, I love... Uh, home matchups. Uh, if you're in an AL only where you can bench him and 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 put him in the lineup and bench him, then that's uh, a really good use for it. Like there are going to be some matchups. Like would I throw him in Chicago against the White Sox right now? I don't know. That they seem like they might start getting dangerous. They've been putting up some eight spots <laughs> recently, so I don't know if I want to throw Coar out there for that. But home against most teams, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A couple other names that are risers here in Stuff Plus over the past month. Mike Clevenger, not a surprise for a guy that missed all of last season while recovering from Tommy John surgery. I'm kind of curious how his improvement now might dovetail with some other players who've come back from major injuries where it takes maybe a few months before things look the way they did. We talked about Noah Syndergaard in the 3-0 show, and I started to wonder if maybe he's going to hit that phase where the velo could tick up a little bit, the things... Things we saw from him pre-injury, maybe more of that comes back. Do you think we're seeing that right now with Clevenger? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, the The progression normally uh, off of Tommy John uh, is that you uh, you have your stuff and the command is what, what takes a little bit. But from Clevenger, we're clearly seeing a four-seam that started out in the 80s and, and low 90s uh, that's been above 100 in, in Stuff Plus for three out of his last four starts. Um, and we're seeing a curveball that's improving. He doesn't really throw it that often, though. Um, and But we're seeing, like, okay, the cutter uh, started out at 80 and 60 and 70 and uh, in his last few appearances has been above 100. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, the slider has been consistently there for him, and that's a really good basis in today's league is to just always have a slider. But to have his other pitches kind of growing to meet it, um, I think we're seeing also that he's uh, staying in longer. The, 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 the outings are longer, and he's pushed uh, Nick Martinez basically into uh, a bullpen role. Um, I, think Clevin- I think Clevenger is back. 
nice to see it given that uh, you know pre-injury we're talking about him as a pretty steady like top 15 to top 20 starting pitcher based on strikeout rates and ratios that he was providing uh, around a, a few injury concerns during his time in Cleveland some other interesting names here uh, Luis Garcia what is happening in the uh, background the cousins the wow cousins are being loud again incredible Luis Garcia among the other risers <laughs> Here, I'll just run through the rest of the names on this list that stood out to me. Luis Garcia. Oh, yeah. We're not, they're not going to do 15 minutes each. <laughs> no. Luis, Luis Garcia, Mitch White, Lucas Giolito, Zach Luis Plesac. Garcia, though? Are you sure you got the right Luis Garcia? I'm going to check the IDs momentarily to make sure yeah. it didn't match the reliever with the starter and then spit out a big stuff plus jump. Uh, Sonny Gray and Trevor Rogers. Lucas Giolito has been improving the stuff underneath the hood. It's It's weird that the results aren't there yet. But he's gotten the ride back on his four seam, and that was what he's working with with Ethan Katz. So theoretically, once you have he has that ride back on his four seam, all of his other pitches are going to go up in stuff plus two. So like, I don't know, man. I like yes, I can see the same peripheral stats you can, and yes, I'm super nervous about Lucas Giolito, and yes, his velo is down, but I think there's some buy lowness to him. Does that mean we're buying low with the expectation that he's? A good SP2, or are we buying low, hoping he comes close to the initial expectations for him this season? I would like to buy uh, at the at the level that he's um, an SP2. You know, uh, I'd like that's what the, the price I'd like to pay because I think that he can get back to SP2s, and then you know, if you if if everything clicks right, then uh, then you can get um, uh, you can get some SP1 action. That's that's how I want to buy. And, you know, I would say a little bit lower uh, for Trevor Rogers, but a similar situation for Trevor Rogers where, um, you know, he has been pitching better recently. Um, it hasn't totally shown in the numbers, but uh, he has a really nice home park. Uh, and I think, you know, the underlying numbers are showing that his stuff is increasing a little bit. So I I would buy Trevor Rogers as a, as a three and maybe hope to get some twos out of him. I'm confirming that I matched correctly with Luis Garcia. This is a real spreadsheet problem that people have. You should use IDs when you can't, uh, if you you can. If you can't, then you have to just double check with Luis Garcia. Early in the season, I think we were just, uh, we just put all the Luis Garcia stuff together. (laughs) Well, and I think something happened where Diego Castillo for the Pirates pitched at some point because like half the Uh, position players in the league have pitched. So then I, I matched Diego Castillo, the pitcher or the position player to the pitcher, and it looked like there was a huge jump. I was like, whoa, Diego Castillo is he's gonna take over that Mariners bullpen. I was like, wait a minute. Like hold on. I rewound. I go, oh, there, there it is. There's the mistake. So uh, Luis, errors in spreadsheeting, very real. Luis Garcia um, you know, gives me the same like he has makes me think about the difference between changing your pitch mix. Uh, to improve your your stuff plus and improve your life uh, versus changing your pitch movement. And while I really liked it for Taiwan Walker, I think there's a little bit more of an asterisk for Luis Garcia because the way that he's improved his stuff plus is by stopping throwing his four seam. And if you if you look at you know his different pitches, uh, the four seam is his worst pitch by stuff. It's okay by location and overall it's near average. But it's an 89-90 stuff plus pitch, whereas the cutter he's replacing with is 106 stuff plus. So, uh, yes, that makes sense in a sort of mathematical way, I guess. But in terms of, I think what happens over the course of the season, the 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 type of fatigue we saw out of him in the past, um, the the. Uh, there is some risk um, that this comes around um, and batters start focusing on the cutter, right? And start sitting cutter and start treating the cutter as the foundational pitch and that there is some um, risk to doing what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I'm looking at the the home run rate and wondering too, like, is he a guy that has a home run problem or is he a guy that's been unlucky with home runs so far? Because... That's up again compared to where it was last year, and it was a, a tick on the high side. I mean, 1.1 homers per nine is not terrible, but 1.63 homers per nine so far this season in an environment that 
is generally not going to boost homers that much. And does that have anything to do with going to the cutter over the four seam more? Because you throw like, you know, maybe the cutter hangs or, you know, like maybe a miss with the cutter is more egregious uh, in in terms of the locations you're throwing it. Like, for example, even in the model itself, the locations the cutter going to are not as good as the locations the four seamer is going to. So he's chosen to have as a found foundational pitch a pitch that he is more about stuff than it about about action than it is about command. So will that have some ramifications for him? The the location plus on the cutter is ninety eight. The location plus on the four seam is one hundred and three. So maybe that has something to do with this home run rate. All in all, though, he's a good pitcher, and again, he's got a lot of good pitches, and maybe uh, you know maybe he can bring the four seam back or. Uh, feature another pitch of his he at least uh, is really good when it comes to slider cutter change up four seam four pitch guy uh, gets good whiffs looks good by strikeouts minus walks looks good in the model uh, this is a, a the faintest of asterisks that it comes from not throwing the four seam as much and 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 kind of throwing the cutter more at least with walker you've got that 30 30 30 split Luis Garcia is going to that territory of cutter is the foundational pitch at 40 and everything else is down around 20. Yeah. You know what's really impressive with Garcia too, though, is when he kind of first emerged in 2019, probably at high A's when people started to really notice him. He had 108 Ks and 65 and two-thirds innings. He had a 12.4% walk rate that year. Walk rate has come down every single season. Aside from making the leap from high A to the big leagues in the pandemic-shortened year, he's he's improved his walk rate each season he's been in the big leagues. So, I mean, this is a really high-floor pitcher, another another mark on, on Houston for great pitching development. Obviously, a guy that has good stuff and is putting in the work to, to get to that level as well. But are we talking about him in the same breath that we're talking about Mike Clevenger? I mean, if it's a would-you-rather toss-up for the rest of the season? I'm taking Luis Garcia. Yeah, I, I think with Garcia, just because there's less of an injury concern, too. I, I think with Clevenger, there's that Clevenger's hurt all flag. sorts of things, not even just the arm. Mm-hmm. So I, they we're probably looking at Garcia as, what, a top 20 starting pitcher rest of season, given the team context? Where did I have him before? Probably too low. Yeah, man, I had him too low. He was low for me coming into the season, and I liked him because of the fade at the end of the season. I think I put a little too much weight onto that as a... Uh, I was trying to figure out what to make also of his, this year. You know, in the model, he didn't look as good uh, because he's had a really great month by the model by changing his pitch mix. So in the model, he was a 100 stuff plus 98 location back in the day. Yeah, he'd be among the big pitching movers. And I think it's a perfect transition to what I wanted to talk about for the other part of this show. I think Sandy Alcantara is getting the league-wide Twitter-wide sort of appreciation that he's probably deserved going back to the early parts of, of last season. And I think if you were trying to adjust where pitchers were going to go for a second half draft or for 2023, among higher-end pitchers, he'd be one of the biggest movers. It wasn't like he was cheap this draft season, but he's up in value. I mean, he's probably... We've talked about some guys coming down because of injury. Walker Bueller comes down. We're going to talk about Shane Bieber in a few minutes. I would have him exactly where I had him preseason. I, I think he's at least, well, you, you may have just had him in I had the right him. spot. <laughs> I think it, the market was a little bit lower on Sandy Alcantara, and I think I, I mean, was kind I of in him, line with the market. I had him around 12, and I would have him around 12. I still think that the guys who strike guys, more guys out are, are preferable. So, but Sandy versus Nola was a toss-up on draft day. I assume you had Nola ahead, or you had Alcantara ahead the whole time. I did. Uh... I have Nola ahead now because of the strikeout rate. Plus, Nola seems like he's in one of his good command years, mm. um, uh, and his his stuff. Like, I think I just Nola has more strikeouts. I'd rather have the strikeouts. I wonder if if starting pitching is going to get squeezed up. We were wondering if maybe the first round would only have two starters instead of the usual three. I think it's probably three. I think McClanahan creeps into that spot because I think it's Burns, Cole, and McClanahan for people. It's some order at the top. Maybe we see a few more pitchers get jammed into round two and early round three, and that's the difference. Whereas in this past draft season, that pick 45 range is where Alcantara was going a lot. Maybe it's more like pick 30, pick 35. Maybe he creeps up 10 to 15 spots 
on the overall list for people. I think uh, I think that w- I think it'll be an interesting place for me to shop. I I, I like the third round um, because you know I get those two bats, and I think even next year I'll still be shopping the same place I shopped in the third round this year. I got lucky with the Wheeler, but I think you know given the shape of Wheeler season, we may see uh, Wheeler in the third round, and I think you'll have first round pitchers will be Cole, uh, Burns, and McClanahan. Yeah. Uh, I think second round pitchers will be Gossman, uh, Nola. Uh, Woodruff could still pretty be pretty much. Well, I mean, Otani. I think Otani's still a first, first rounder. rounder as a because of. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with him. Okay, so first round bat breaks everything guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Second round. Uh, yeah, I see. See Nola, Woodruff, uh, Rodon, Degrom. Maybe. Yeah. If Degrom. I think you and I both know if Degrom comes back from this injury and, and shoves is fine for the, for the rest of the season, he's good. Rest of the second half, he's he, going to get through the playoffs. Next year. He go, he's a first rounder again. I think healthy oh, for a half season round. pushes him all the way back to the first round in in the NFBC at least. I don't know if it does that for everybody in other formats, but I think with that overall component, I think that would push him back into the. Well, now we have thirty five players in the first round. Thank you. Stop playing snake drafts. That's that's what this conversation has brought me back to. It's like, wait a minute. Why are we doing this this way? This is a stupid way to make okay. rosters. So who are third round pitchers? Third round pitchers are um, old guys that had good seasons. So Verlander Justin, a third round pitcher? Yeah, I think so. Verlander. Um, Wheeler is, is borderline second, third. Um, Scherzer. Yeah, I'm going to live in the third round. Second, third, third. I think maybe third. He's older. He's going to be older. He had some injuries again this year. Uh, and then there's Sandy and Dylan Cease and, and maybe like Musgrove. So some guys that maybe haven't ever been higher before, like Musgrove. Control issues I would, maybe for I still Cease. I would love to shop in the in the Cease Alcantara. Like if you're going to if you're going to be a choice of Cease Alcantara and Scherzer in the third round, I think I'm I'm just going to take a third round pitcher. I think Manoa is going to get jammed up in that yeah, area Manoa's as right well there too. So, and I think I'll probably take the young guys. So I think it'll be Alcantara, Cease, or Manoa for me. I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Those are guys are aces, right? Uh, I think I might still take Manoa or uh, Cease over Alcantara because of those strikeouts. So. so we had a question about Alcantara from one of our listeners. John wanted to know: Should we be concerned about Sandy sitting too close to his max given the workload volume? I thought it was a, a fair question worth uh, bringing up. So, as someone who's all in on on Sandy, how do you feel about that? How often, I guess, is he sitting there? That's the that's the challenge. His max is a hundred, hundred and one, and he's sitting ooh ninety nine. That is a little spicy. Uh, he hasn't been doing it all season. Early on, he was 96 and a half, 97 and a half. Now he's at 99 out of 100, dude. That is super close to his maximum. That is super close. The The league used to be at like three. Uh, and in the postseason, it was like a two in terms of difference between max and, and uh, sitting. And then it moved towards where the postseason is. So the league is more uh, around uh, two. Um, and so one is being aggressive, even in an aggressive league. Uh, that is, uh, and he's, he's had some injuries before, uh, but he's also, I mean, look at this, uh, 200 innings basically in 2019, uh, 205 last year, 26 years old in his prime. I think it might be more of a, a thing to worry about long-term than it is to thing to worry about this year. Yeah, I think in this particular instance, John's in a keeper league and uh, Alcantara is his ace. But at the same time, what's the actionable move here? If you're doing well in the league this year, you're not trading him away. You're, you know, if you're playing for two years from now, maybe you're cashing in right now because you're maxing out on value, which you I would do, do with almost any pitcher in this circumstance. This is not I, even I, about the max velo thing. This is about the timing of moving your aces if your team's not competing. Yeah. Yeah, and there and there are some really uh, fun young pitchers that uh, you could you might be able to get like you might be able to get um, you know like a Strider uh, and 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 somebody like who who would it take like like what if you get Strider could you get Strider and Baz for Alcantara right now no no that's too much probably Strider, not Strider how about Strider and 
Can you get a Ashby. by low hitter? Could you do Strider, Strider and a by low bat? Like I a, would actually want to do that because I would want to get a bat out of it. Eloy or something. Yeah, I would want to get a bat out of it. That's that's my whole move in in dynasty is to to trade pitching for hitting and just try to always be improving the hitting uh, and picking up pitching along the way. So that's a I yeah I would I would take Strider and Eloy for for Eloy for uh, Sandy right now. Yeah, in a dynasty if I was if I wasn't competing this year. So a slight concern, given that he is very close to that max on a pretty regular basis. I'm starting to get some Luis Severino vibes from Sandy just because of the he's got that very team friendly contract. So at this point, like he he's just going to air it out because he got the he got the guaranteed money. So there's there's not there's not a big free agency payday around the corner to sit back for. So why not just do what you can do? But Severino it was another one of those guys that I thought was always kind of close to his max. He eventually blew out, missed you know, almost two full seasons with the injuries. Looks really good again right now. 94 Ks and 84 innings. It's close to what we saw pre-injuries in terms of strikeout percentage and walk percentage. Uh, the ratios are really good. Obviously, the team is great. So you get run support, you get bullpen help. Like everything you could possibly want from Luis Severino is there. I just wonder how much can we move him up now that he's healthy again? Is he all the way back to pre-injury Luis Severino or is he always slightly discounted from those levels because the risk of another injury is higher as a result of the recent significant ones? One thing that I like out of the Luis Severino situation is, you know, don't buy the guy in his first season back uh, from an injury. Wait till he's pitched and buy him the next season. Uh, I think Severino and Syndergaard are the most extreme versions of that, right? Where they pitched once (laughs) (laughs) or twice. Four four relief appearances for Severino, six innings, but like basically one start scattered over four appearances. And both of those guys um, had reasons why you you couldn't even necessarily trust the stuff model, right? Because Severino, uh, Syndergaard didn't throw his breaking balls at all. So we just didn't even know what the state of his breaking balls were. Uh, and Severino was coming out there in relief stint, so you couldn't tell, like, is this going to port over to starting, or is this who he is now? Is he basically a reliever? Uh, that I think that was an open question, because we're talking about a guy who's coming off of major problems. Uh, but in either case, if you want to make kind of a general rule where you don't buy the guy in his first year back off the surgery and you buy him, you buy him the next year, I think it serves you pretty well. So don't get... Like, wait for Glasnow to pitch. Like, you wouldn't want to draft Jack Glasnow this year, but you hope that Glasnow pitches some this year and you draft Glasnow next year. That sort of deal. So, yeah. So, the difference for you is if you see Glasnow for five to 10 innings, even in September, you're more likely to take that chance on him going into 2023 than if he doesn't get back and show up in a game and a we're seeing team. it for the first time in April. A major league team, a medical team, a medical team said it was okay. Like it, some doctor signed off on it, you know, and a, and a team put him out there. That's like a major hurdle. There are other players that get close to that hurdle and then have setbacks. Yeah, know? that's just tough because for for Glass now, his surgery was in August and he could be on a pretty normal recovery timeline and still just not quite be cleared to pitch in games again. Like when you had surgery, when you got hurt has pretty significant bearing on when exactly you're able to come back. So he's right on that borderline where we could see him this year. I think it's more likely that we don't than we do just based on 14 months being a little more of the guide than the typical 12 months. Yeah, and I know I understand the the um the randomness of the calendar in this situation, right? <laughs> like I I like I understand that he everything could be fine and you could have a good next year. I would be less likely to draft Tyler Glass now if he doesn't pitch this year. And I mm-hmm. even if it's just random, I just I want to see him. Now maybe uh maybe if he comes out in the spring and looks totally fine. Before yeah, he's throwing ninety eight in the spring, and, like, and okay, and throwing all Big his pitches. Mover then. You know, throwing all his pitches. You know, because he brought that slider. He he really developed that slider, right? So if he's if he's throwing three pitches in the spring again, and he's throwing ninety eight, maybe I'm on board. I still want the reduced price. I just still wouldn't want to pay a high price because you just hadn't seen. He hasn't been cleared to throw in a major league game. 
the fights about Tyler Glass now and durability and projected innings that people are going to have on Twitter and on podcasts mm. in February and March just are going to be it all obnoxious. In. Just hold your nose, just cover. <laughs> just, just bathe in it. Or just, just mute Tyler Glass now as a term <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, you need the updates, so you have to find a way to get those updates. But just, just to get out of the debates. I'm buying Severino. Like, if I can get Severino right now. In Dynasty Leagues, uh, much more bigger asterisks. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You know, we've got 100 innings over three seasons now. Um, and 84 of them this year. So there's still kind of an open question there. But uh, for this season... If you can get him because the other person is worried about injuries, then go for it because I think he's a top 20 starting pitcher the rest of the way. And if we could erase more injury concerns, he might even be higher than that. That's sort of baking in added risk that comes with a player who's gone through what he's gone through. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about Kyle Wright. I think we talked about him a lot in April. I'm curious where things stand with him now that we're a half season in. He, to me, is a classic example where at the beginning of the year, you could just see he's not the same pitcher that he was when last season ended. So it was easy to look at him as a massive early season riser. Where does he settle in right now? Like I, I forgot to pop open your rankings before we started. How much of a of a leap did he have at that last set of rankings compared to the bottom of the list or near bottom of the list status that he had for a lot of people back in March? Yeah, the the model uh, really loved him, uh, and so I bumped him. I, I don't know if I bumped him enough. I bumped him up to fifty, and the reason uh, why I mean forty in the uh, forty nine, and with injury he'd uh, he'd already be in the you know, sort of forty five range, but. Um, the reason I didn't bump him further, and this this is the difficulty uh, with the model, is that um, he alternates good starts with bad starts with locations. He just his command uh, is like that little hair up your nose, where it's just you know it's it's there and then it's gone, and it's it's so annoying to me because the stuff has been absolutely different. And I would totally bet on him just based on stuff, but like literally goes from 108 location plus in his first start to 99 in his second, 110 in his third start, 92 in his fourth, 103, 96, 101, 91, 101, 99, 109, 89. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like literally every other start. Uh, and it's the last thing holding him back. Because the new mix that he's got is is really excellent. I think maybe I had him a little bit too low, uh, and I think he's more of a top thirty pitcher uh, now. Uh, because even with those little blowups, he's been excellent overall. And uh, I believe the new swing strike rate. I knew, believe the new strikeout rate. And even if he regresses to the projected walk rate, he's going to have better strikeouts than the. Uh, projection systems have and i think at least a sort of a three five guy going forward all right so a viable sp2 in a 15 team league probably a nice three if you're playing at something a little bit smaller uh, one other big mover another astro framber valdez 
going back to the projections we saw for him at the beginning of the season, he was projected by the bat to have a 377 ERA and a 134 whip and 153 Ks and 173 innings. And I think I, I definitely took that to heart because I care about projections. I think the bat is a great projection system. And I thought, okay, yeah, the, the pass control issues I think are, are, are worth being mindful of. And maybe he doesn't miss quite as many bats as we'd like guys to miss. So I was kind of out at the price on Valdez. Mm-hmm. And when I watch him, the more I watch him, the more I like him. And the projections have also moved quite a bit. He's now projected for rest of season numbers from the bat at 334 for the ERA. So almost a half run improvement, a 128 whip and 89 Ks in 95 innings. So a lot more in terms of strikeout rate. We know Fromber is a ground ball machine. Now he looks kind of like another Dallas Keuchel for them from a development standpoint, someone that comes out of relative nowhere to possibly spin multiple sub three ERA seasons. Like I think I've just gone from, from skeptic to believer to the point where I might even like him a tick more than the projections do, especially with the whip. I think that whip comes in a little high for me at one, two, eight, the rest of the way. I think he's probably under that. It's possible. Uh, he's the new Dallas Keuchel, uh, in that he is, uh, really great at 93, 94. And there's some sort of uh, velocity shelf for him. We saw how badly, uh, Dallas Keuchel fell off. So I'm maybe lesser of a dynasty asset than a, than a win now asset. Um, as that velo starts to go down, we may we may see this uh, sort of fall apart. But uh, the other stuff that I like is um, I did a piece on underused pitches, and Frommer's cutter was on there, or slider, whatever you want to call it. So he's got a new pitch this year, and the changeup still rates well in the model. So he could be a four pitch pitcher. It's just that his curveball is dominant, you know, and his sinker just has one of the lowest. Uh, I think it might be the lowest. Um, launch angle on balls in play. So he's got a pitch that kills all power in the sinker. Uh, and then he's got this curveball that's an excellent weapon that he has multiple shapes on uh, that that he feels uh, really comfortable placing wherever he wants and has just excellent, excellent shape. You know, like Max Freed, right? Like big old curveball, not super fast, but just has a shape that is very difficult on people. Um, and... Uh, so, uh, Fromber, Sinker, uh, Max Friedian, Curveball, uh, I buy. You know, I, I think this is, this is a, he's a really good pitcher. He's not going to get you a bunch of strikeouts, but if we are going to like Sandy Alcantara, then we should like Fromber Valdez. Yeah, and I think Valdez, because of the way he works, the volume might help offset the K rate a little bit. Easier to ding him for the rate not being that high, but if he ends up being higher end on workload year over year, then that makes up for it. And I think that I probably underrated that a little bit about Valdez too when trying to figure out what his true ceiling was. Uh, One more name to throw at you. 22nd in strikeouts this year, despite the below average strikeout rate. Yeah, it's a volume game. I mean, most leagues are using Ks, not K by nine. So uh, I want to throw Joe Ryan into the conversation again because the projections are still skeptical. We know it's just different, right? Rest of season ERA, 423 is the projection from the bat, and he's got a 309 so far. He might have some room to bring down the walk rate. I think that's one of the the core skills that could still be a tick better than it's been so far. What do you make now that we've seen about a half season's worth of starts from Ryan against big league hitters? Uh, The... The model does capture things like interesting release points and vertical attack angle, the things that make Joe Ryan a good pitcher other than his command. His command uh, in the model is good. Uh, like the, the model should be capturing who he is, and it says he's about a league average pitcher. Um, so I think I agree with the projections, man. Uh, and he's such a unique look that it doesn't surprise me too much that the home run rate is rising as people are, are starting to see him more. Let's yeah, see who's a lot seen him. of fly balls. Let's see who let's see who's seen him twice. Seattle saw him once and had four beginning of the season, four innings, two earned runs, four strikeouts. The second time Seattle saw him, uh, four innings, four earned runs, uh, three strikeouts. Who else has seen him twice? Nobody else has seen him twice. Orioles have seen him twice this year. 
Cleveland has seen him twice. In the second outing, three earned runs. First outing, one run. One earned run. Still 7Ks, one walk, though, in that second outing against the Guardians. That's true. Baltimore, in the second time they saw him, it's a tough offense, so, man, I don't, I don't know how much I'm learning from that. We'll see. Uh, Cleveland probably going to see him again, and, uh, you know, I would be really interested to see what happens when Cleveland sees him a third time. Um, and then also the scouting report is going out there, and then lastly, the way that people train is um, to – the, the, the better teams when they're hitting their they're training their hitters is to kind of over exaggerate the qualities of the pitcher they're gonna see that night and make the machine do basically what the pitcher's gonna do times ten percent like with an extra ten percent. So whatever Joe Ryan does plus ten percent. Uh so that they're over trained. They're they think Joe Ryan is easy when they see him. Um so the longer that he's in the, in the big leagues, the more that people can say, okay, this is, this is how we want to calibrate the pitching machine to get ready for him. So I don't know. I, I remain skeptical. I, I, I understand vertical attack angle. I understand that he has a low release point and that he throws high in the zone and that his, his fastball has a, a flat, uh, a flat approach. And that is hard for some people to match up. But I also understand that the league, uh, the league's hitters have seen, a lot of four scenes high in the zone over the last few years, and they started to train for it, and there are adjustments for it, and there are pit- there are players that are all over it. Taylor Ward fashioned his whole approach based on that. Marcus Simeon hit 45 homers because he figured out how to hit high four seamers. So I don't think the like high four seam, low vertical attack angle uh, thing is like a, a cheat code anymore. <laughs> you know, I think everyone knows about it and everyone's trying to do something about it. Either it's lay off all those high four seamers completely or develop some sort of swing that you can hit them. So my reason for including Ryan here is that I expect the market to move him up quite a bit based on what he's done so far. Is he the kind of guy you're very skeptical of? It kind of sounds like, yeah, you're. if, if we're talking about Joe Ryan... And the ADP creeps up into maybe Chris Bassett range. Chris Bassett had a 117 ADP. He was the 40th pitcher off the board. If you look at April NFBC ADP, I could see Joe Ryan maybe topping out there if the second half is mostly as good as the first half. I assume you'd be out at that price because there are other pitchers that you just like better that tend to be available in that range. Uh, I have a, a possible would you rather that might end up there, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Ronzi uh, Contreras. Ooh. Ooh. I, I would take Contreras. Just has a fundamental grouping of pitchings that I like better. Has a lot of really good pitches, high stuff pitches, more velo, a lot of different looks. It's not all like, oh, my, my fastball is kind of deceptive. My gut reaction was to take Ryan, but. Obviously, we get a lot more information before we have to make that decision. I might also decision. get a round or two on Contreras. You know what That's I mean? That's totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that speaks to the, there are other guys that go around that range that are still available. You just rather have. You feel better about their chances of coming close in terms of what they will do and maybe even significantly exceeding Ryan's ceiling. I probably won't pay. I probably won't pay the tax on Joe Ryan. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where my head is at too. Cause I think that Bassett price might be the, the indicator based on what we've seen so far. I mean, it's a very high fly ball rate and it's not the best strikeout rate, right? So you could even use more, like we're 70, 70 innings in. You can use K minus BB. A 22 minus 7 K minus BB is not elite. Yeah, 15 is pretty pretty like average for starting average pitchers 14, that we care about. I think, I think average mm-hmm. is 14. Yeah. So average for fantasy, yeah. I mean, yeah, but like how much do the bottom you know, 20, 30 pitchers matter to you in fantasy. You don't want to touch him. Yeah, maybe Joe Ryan's the next Ian Anderson. Maybe that's where my mind's going. Like, Ooh. the guy that people slowly get into, and then, oh, the the, the correction is, is harsh. Sorry, Better command are. from Ryan, I think, but, but not a bad comp. Not a bad comp. One last question before we go. What's up with Shane Bieber? He's kind of on the faller side of this conversation, which oh, probably gosh. is its own episode down the road. Season fastball velo is down. K's are down. Control is good. Not a surprise given who Shane Bieber has revealed himself to be. Home run rate is good, at least so far. Is he destined for the SP2 cluster somewhere in that 20 to 30 range among starting pitchers? Again, just Wait to... 
second. Just to rewind it back to some names that were in that group this year. That's where Joe Musgrove was going this year. That's where Gossman was going this year. That's where Barrios was going this year. And things have turned out kind of poorly for him so far. So what do you think is going on with Bieber? Thank you for uh, putting some uh, putting a hole in my balloon there with the Barri- Barrios mention. <laughs> because uh, you can miss I was in that about range. To, I was about to do a, a little bit of dancing on the grave. Um, my pitcher rankings, which I, for some reason, can't find when they came out, but uh, I'll do it in a second. Here it is, June 9th. Oh, this is too, too, too good. Uh, June 9th, uh, I came out with some pitcher rankings, and uh, one of the comments was, are you going to address your Shane Bieber ranking? You couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> Do you even watch the players? <laughs> Does the author of this list even understand baseball? No. no yeah. Uh, Sometimes that happens. A lot in the of that stuff is, so that, that was unsaid. But I just love this idea that like <laughs> uh, I have to address every time I'm wrong. Uh, on the show, people... Uh, know that I celebrate my wrongness often and uh, do dissect when I'm wrong. Um, for Jane Bieber, we just had, I had awful stuff numbers and the worst of his career and related to things we can all see, the fastball velo, velo being down, being one of the biggest drivers of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I just didn't, I didn't see him as an elite guy. I never had him much higher than 20. Uh, and so at that point, uh, he was correct to say that I couldn't be more wrong uh, but I said basically at the time, listen, my model says what it says, and uh, you know I, I'm sticking with it, and I and I think that you know he's going to become more hittable as the the ball flies better, and as we get into these warmer months. Since that ranking, Shane Bieber has a 4.55 ERA. <laughs> Couldn't um, be more wrong. So, so happy for you right now. <laughs> Um, he does have a, a, a decent strikeout on his walk rate. He always has during the season. He's a good pitcher. I'm, I don't really, uh, I'm not excited. I might sound excited. I just sometimes get excited because, you know, we get these comments and reactions on Twitter and it gets exhausting sometimes, but you know, a 91 mile an hour fastball velo does not say, uh, Shane Bieber is who he used to be. So that's, I'm going to stick by uh, what the numbers tell me. And I'm going to take the under, I'm going to take the over on all his projected ERAs, save maybe the bats. So if you want to know where I, where I do land, 376 ERA, 121 whip. It's not bad. That's not a bad pitcher. That's, that's a, it's that's still a... probably top 30. I mean, who was the guy that we just put into the top 30? Kyle Wright? Who would you rather? Wright? Barely. Yeah. yeah. Barely. I mean, we're, it's it's more just because I still have injury risk concerns about Bieber. That's that's probably the difference for me. I don't think his injury is completely behind him. I think that drop in velo is very problematic. So if you can get some velo back this offseason, maybe Bieber becomes the clear option for me. It's a little bit interesting that his uh, three three of his four highest velo outings have been recently, but he's still not cracking 92. Yeah, and he, like, he's he's got a lot of things he does well. God, Good command, Shane, great yeah, breaking Shane. balls. Yeah, sorry. I, I think it's uh, I think it's time for you to check on the people in your home to make oh sure God. that they're, they're going they're all to well. Great America. So like they're you know the it's like this like I could graph it for you the tension and then the apprehension and the excitement. You know, it's through the roof. I saw some news item that it's closing soon, the Great America in California and the Bay Area. And then I clicked on it and read it and said, within 13 years, I think is what the timetable was. And I was like, Don't soon. Don't sometimes hate headlines, dude? Soon. <laughs> soon, right. Yeah, within within 13 years. Like, <laughs> let's, okay. Yeah, let's go. Yes. <laughs> Better <I'm> go now. <laughs> really worried about 2035 right now because yeah. you know things have gone so well. aged out of going to those things anyway. Your kids could own the park by then and keep it open <laughs> it's possible anyway if you got questions for a future episode send those our way Eno is at Eno Saris on Twitter I'm at Derek Van Riper best way to get an email in rates and barrels at theathletic.com even though there are a ton of emails right now keep sending them we'll get to them eventually it's nice to have those 
You can also leave a comment on this video on YouTube. Be sure to hit the like button. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you haven't done so already, take a moment, leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate everybody who has done that. If you'd like a subscription to The Athletic, it's a dollar a month for the first six months at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Just a hunch that deal probably is going away somewhat soon. So get on that if that is something that you're interested in. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.